Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello, and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, and we have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture, and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan, and I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 22 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. It gives me great pleasure to be coming to you once again from the Headstuff Podcast Network studio here in Dublin. It's great. This is only my second episode back in the studio after I was on my travels all around America and taking the podcast on the road at the same time. And it is absolutely lovely uh, to be back in the beautiful surroundings of this studio again. Uh, I have to say now, I was was on my own little, I had my own little folktale this morning, basically. In this studio, I usually come in and uh, there's one of the guys from Headstuff here, one of the producers or editors who... um, we usually set up set up all the gear for me and just click record and away we go. Um, but as I'm recording to you from a bank holiday Monday, this episode will be released this Wednesday. So I hope you all had a good bank holiday weekend. Um, but there was no one in the studio this morning. So I, for the very first time, had to let myself in and set the gear up myself. And I am not the most technologically minded for someone who spends as much time on a computer as much as I do. Uh, I'm not very uh, technologically minded, but I'm very proud of myself. Everything seems to be working. I seem to actually be recording. It's hard to test back and forth without having someone in one room and another in the other. But I'm seeing things go up and down and sound seems to be definitely coming out. So hopefully this episode is not all in vain. Uh, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you are very welcome. Uh, this this episode will be diving right into a continuing story. So if you're confused at all, please do go back to the very beginning and listen to how we've been developing this podcast over the past few months. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. Um, it's very much appreciated. I'm loving doing this, and I hope you're loving to hear it. If you would like to contact me about anything, always uh, Instagram is the best way to do it. Uh, that at, that is at Olahan Solo, O-L-O-H-A-N-S-O-L-O, all one word. Um, and if you would like to support the page, or if you'd like to support the podcast, we're trying to take this podcast live. So if you listen and like what you hear and would like more, then you can support us on Patreon. We just set up the Patreon page. And you can find that at uh, fire uh, Patreon forward slash Fireside Podcast. And your support there of any amount would be greatly appreciated. I'm going to dive right into the tale now. We are talking mythology again today. And we are talking about the Fenian cycle of Irish mythology. 
this the more the more stories I do from the Fenian cycle, the more and more I fall in love with it. Um, they just it it has survived in so so much more intact than so much of the earlier mythological cycle that we did. The stories uh, stand alone or something like we're obviously building a, a continuing saga, uh, but just in isolation, there's a, these stories make. They seem just like standalone fairy tales or folk tales more so, and legends. And this was one long before I even had this idea for this podcast and when I was just trying to get more into Irish mythology and learn more about it, just for my own sake and just to try and become a better writer and storyteller and just a better Irish person really to know my own folklore and mythology a bit better. This was when I first got the Lady Gregory Book of Irish Mythology, which, as listeners will know, is my Bible for this podcast. This was, on my first reading through it, this was a story that stayed with me. It was one I hadn't heard, but the elements of it and the the story itself just struck a chord and stayed with me, and I was delighted to be at this story now and to write my own version of it. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to chat more, of course, after the tale itself, but first I'm going to tell the story. So here is The Legend of Sive on Fireside. The Legend of Sive. Once upon a time in the days of the Fianna, there was a beautiful princess named Sive. Sive was the daughter of Bodarik, king of the Tuatha Dé Danann, and she lived in the other world with the rest of her people. When Sive became a young woman, she began to attract the attention of Fardarka, the powerful dark druid of the Ace She, who was tasked with the abduction of mortals from their homes to be taken to the other world. He was powerful but malevolent from his hefty responsibilities. Fardarika knew that Bodarik would never give him permission to marry his daughter, but he thought if he was able to woo the young princess with his powers, Bodarik would be unable to refuse. Fardarika came to Saiv many times, and each time Saiv refused. She did not love him. He was a stranger. Fardarika said that once she got to know him, she would return his love. But Saiv knew him all she needed to. She knew his task involved the kidnapping of innocents who would often never see their homes again. The name Sive means sweet and lovely, and the princess lived up to that name. She would play no part in Fardarika's escapades. Sive told the dark druid this on his third visit to her. This enraged Fardarika, and he decided that if he could not have the love of the princess, no one could. He took out his druid wand and transformed Sive into a deer. The druid said to his unrequited love, You have spurned me for the last time, and even though I cannot bring myself to harm your beauty, in that form you will roam terrified through the woods until you are hunted and torn apart by dogs or wolves. Who knows, maybe one day I will feast upon your flesh and we will be one after all. The young deer fled terrified from her home and into the deep, dark forest. She galloped as fast as she could for as long as she could, while trying to get used to running on four legs and to not trip over herself. After the first couple of sleepless nights, 
Sive began to think her heart would give out long before she could be killed by wild animals. But on the fourth night, Sive was found by a young man. He spoke to her by name and said he was there to help. While the young doe didn't trust the stranger at first, she listened nonetheless. I serve Fardurka. I am his apprentice, and he would kill me himself if he knew that I was here today. But I've been searching for you since you fled. It breaks my heart what the druid did to you, and although I am powerless to reverse the spell myself, there is still one way to break it. At this, Sive began to approach the young apprentice. If you can make your way to the mortal world where our people used to live, and find your way into a fort of the Fianna, the spell may be reversed, the stranger went on. For while Fardurka is powerful, the Fianna are the defenders of our world and theirs. Their enchantments will overpower the Dark Druid. Sive could not speak in dear form, so she merely approached the apprentice and licked his hand. A normal thing for a deer to do that still felt bizarre to Sive. The apprentice smiled. If I ever become a druid of the Aeth-She, I want to serve what is benevolent and good in this world. If I do this one thing right, maybe there is hope for me after all. Now go! And Sive ran deep into the forest in search of the mortal world and of the warriors of the Fiena. Three years pass. Fionn McCool had achieved his late father's dream and was made leader of the Fianna. Ireland was now finally a safe place for both he and his mother, Werner. So the woman who brought Fionn into the world came to visit him at his new home on the hill of Alwyn, in what is now Kildare. Werner brought her sister, Tyrion, with her to Alwyn to meet her nephew for the very first time. This is, of course, not the same Tyrion who murdered Lul of Oda's father. Tyrion was heavily pregnant when she arrived at Alvin, and it soon came time for her to bear her child. To everyone's surprise, Tyrion gave birth to twins. To everyone's horror, both twins were dogs. I can explain, she began. My husband, Eolan, used to have a lover named Uchtelb. She is a vicious but powerful member of the Ace She. When Eolan and I first met and fell in love, Uchtelb became mad with jealousy. So on the day after we were married, the fairy transformed me into a wolfhound. I was in that form for many months, during which I knew that I had become pregnant. We finally found a way to break the spell, but the fate of my children was still unknown. I hoped beyond hope that they would be born in human form, but it was not to be. And now that they have been born this way, there is nothing to be done. My children will live and die as hairy beasts. Fionn McCool stepped forward. Tyrion, my aunt, dry your tears. Your children are beautiful. They will grow into strong, fast, and loyal warriors. Everything a member of my clan should be. Your children will become members of the Fianna, and they shall never leave my side. I will protect them until they can protect me. 
Fionn, as always, was a man of his word. The twin brother and sister were named Bran and Shkolon, and grew into two mighty and magnificent Irish wolfhounds, the like of which had never been seen before. The pair had the intelligence and cunning of humans, and the hunting skill and loyalty of hounds. Two more faithful companions never served by the side of Fionn McCool. When the hounds were grown, Fionn went out hunting with his two cousins. They would often be in competition with each other, as to see who could bring down the first game. Fionn was an incredibly skilled hunter, having been raised himself in the woods, but he was never any match for Bran and Skolon. However, on this occasion, the two hounds bounded ahead of Fionn to make their kill, but when Fionn caught up to them, they were standing in front of a deer. To Fionn's dismay, neither Bran nor Skolon had harmed the doe. In fact, they almost looked like they were protecting it. They bordered its sides and occasionally would lick its hide. Despite his initial surprise, Fionn trusted his two cousins beyond all doubt and trusted there must be something significant about this particular deer. So Fionn tied a rope gently around the doe's neck and guided it back to Alwyn. The moment the deer stepped foot on the grounds of Fionn's home, her deer skin shed from her and she stood up tall as the beautiful woman she had been before. Fionn stood astonished. Thank you, warrior of the Fianna. My name is Saiv. I am a princess of the Tua de Danon. I was cursed and put into the form of a deer by a dark druid of my people. But I was told if I could set foot on the lands of the Fianna, the spell would be reversed. I have been searching for this place for three years. Fionn could barely speak. He was so overwhelmed by the beauty of the former deer standing before him. Beautiful Sive. You are indeed most welcome here. My name is Fionn McCool. I am the leader of the Fianna. But it is not me you need to thank, but my cousins here, Bran and Skolan. Sive looked at the wolfhounds who had spared her. These are indeed truly wonderful beasts. Even the hounds of my own people would have torn me apart as soon as look at me. But these two here did not. Why? Bran and Skolan are born of my human aunt Tyran. She herself was cursed by a woman of the ace she. These dogs should have been born human, and retain part of that inside them. When they smelled you and saw you, they knew you were no deer. They saw what I myself could never have seen, and for that I can never thank them enough. For you truly are the most beautiful creature I have ever seen. Fionn and Sive immediately fell madly in love. They were married, and Fionn gave up all his other pleasures of hunting, fighting, and sport. Bran and Shkolan were stationed outside Alwyn, and Fionn and Sive rarely left their bedchamber. They lived for months on end in the throes of passion and blissful ignorance of anything in the world outside. But like the gift of a beautiful rose, nothing can last forever. And soon Fionn and the Fianna were called to action. 
Nordic invaders were raiding and ravaging the Kerry coastline, and the Fianna were tasked with repelling the attack and defending the land. Sive had become pregnant, so Fionn was hesitant to leave, but he had a duty as the leader of the Fianna. He assured his beloved he would return before the child was born. As the days wore on, Sive became increasingly anxious for her beloved. She knew how skilled a warrior Fionn was, but she also knew that he was out of practice since they had been married. Every day and night she would look out for her love from atop Alwyn. On the fourth night, Sive looked out from the top of the hill and could see the shape of Fionn glistening under the full moon. Although she was now very heavy with child, Sive ran out from Alwyn to meet her husband. But it was not Fionn. To Sive's horror, when she reached what she thought was her love, the being revealed itself to be Far Durka, the one who had cursed her in the first place. Word had reached Far Durka's ears of the deer who had become a woman, and he was determined to correct this rumour. He took out his hazel wand and put Sive back into her wild animal form. But he would not let her get away this time. The dark druid put a rope around Sive's neck and under duress pulled her back into the deep, dark woods. After seven days of fighting the Vikings, Fionn finally and eagerly returned to Alwyn. He went in search of Sive, but his people told him that she was missing. Fionn was beyond heartbroken and knew exactly what had happened. Sive would never leave him willingly. She must have been kidnapped by Fardurka. He should never have left her, he lamented. But there was no time for self-pity. Fionn rallied Bran, Skolon, and some of the best men of the Fianna and went in search of his love. But if a member of the Aesir does not want something to be found, it will not be found. Fionn searched for Sai for seven years. Each year his heart grew heavier and more distraught, but he refused to give up the pursuit. It was only when one day Bran and Skolon picked up a scent and bounded forward. When Fionn reached his hound cousins, he found them gathered around a small, feral boy. The child could not speak. He merely growled and shouted at the wolfhounds. He was wild but brave. Fionn went to the child and looked at his face. He recognized the perfect features of Sive, and the child had long, fair hair. This boy was Fionn's son. They took the child back to Alwyn and cleaned him up, and over the months taught him how to speak. When he could communicate properly himself, the boy told his story that he had been raised by a deer in the woods until he was abandoned and forced to fend for himself. Fionn realized then he would never see his beloved Sive again, but she had left him the greatest gift possible, a child. The boy was named Oshin, which means young deer, in honor of his lost mother. And Oshin would grow to become a mighty warrior of the Fianna, but even more so, would chronicle the life of his father and would become the greatest poet Ireland had ever known.
to be continued. And that was The Legend of Sive on Fireside. I hope you enjoyed it. Just, again, what a beautifully constructed story. Um, We just, like the Fenian Cycle, this is the third or fourth? It's the fourth, yeah. It's the fourth episode of the Fenian Cycle that we've done. We've done the forming of the Fiona with the birth of Fionn. Uh, we've done the boyhood deeds of Fionn, which included the Salmon of Knowledge. We did him actually ascending to the leadership of the Fianna and now we have him falling in love for the very first time um and but even though i would like to think that those who have listened to the podcast before and have listened to all of the fion episodes that this is just an addition and that everything you've learned before is just enriching this experience this story can be totally taken out of context it is just a classic tragic story of love that seems totally universal but also totally unique to ireland which i think is the most beautiful thing i hope you can see why even me reading this a few years ago why this story stayed with me all in total fion would have four wives but it is it is the legend of sive sive is his most significant and famous wife because of the tragic story of it um and i love it i think it's great and again, I say that about a lot of them. But let's just go through it. Like I don't know of many other stories of tragic love quite like this. You know, there's so many elements that are familiar with, uh, you know, a a dark a dark force trying to keep lovers apart. But nothing quite just like being turned into a deer for years and then the actual disappearance. There's a few few significant things I want to talk about while I think of them off the top of my head now. Uh, and no, number one of which is, is, I try to not, obviously this is all myth, and I try to not place it in specific times, because believe it or not, like there is a very specific period that the Tua de Danon are supposed to have ruled Ireland for. I think it's about 150 years or something, but it is thought to be a very specific 150 years, which is insane considering that it is mythology, that they have really placed a time limit on it. And we know, uh, certainly, like, with the Thawne, when we get to the Thawne and the Ulster cycle, there's quite specific things there, such as chariots and everything, which place that very specifically. And there's a lot of parallels between Cúchulain and Jesus Christ. And Jesus is supposed to, Cúchulain is supposed to echo and mirror a lot of elements of Jesus. So that does put that quite in a specific time um, and the Fenian cycle is to take place after the Ulster cycle but so interesting is that there's an element of this story which I'm sure might have jumped out at you that does place this in quite a specific time and that is that Fionn leaves to fight the Vikings and that that's quite I read a few versions of this story. I read the version in the Lady Gregory book, of course, and then a few different versions online. It's the best thing about the Fenian cycle, and I'm sure even more so will be the case with the Ulster cycle, that there are more and more sources. The more 
protected they are and the more reserved they are preserved they are uh, the more different versions that i can find and compare and contrast and draw from to make my, ultimately my own version of them and that's great but it, in basically every version i read it is very specifically said that it is the vikings that fionn goes off to fight which would place which would place this very firmly in about the ninth century i know that i know that the vikings founded dublin in 841 so you're basically talking yeah that that the life of fionn and the fenian cycle is about there is about the the 8th 9th century which is which is fascinating but it 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 makes it more rich in terms of that it almost makes it seem more real um but so interesting that it places it right like that i thought so anyway i happen to be reading or listening to rather um this audio series this bbc audio series on audible uh called a brief history of ireland or a short history of ireland i think uh, which is basically, it's 245-minute episodes of the entire history of Ireland from nothing but trees right up to the ceasefire of the Troubles in Northern Ireland, I think it's the full span. And I'm only about, well, I'm only about 36 or 37 episodes in, but I'm already, what am I at now? I'm basically at the Black Plague. The The English have arrived and they're here to stay, basically. But listening to i've had the whole chronicle of the vikings already from them arriving in the ninth century to them being ultimately uh overthrown by brian baru and by the irish landovers and then which indirectly led to the normans coming over to ireland which will lead to english settlement and british colonization of this country but it really hearing about the vikings coming here and settling here I did. I never pretended to know a huge amount about the Vikings, uh, even though Wicklow Town, where I'm from, is very much a Viking town. Wicklow uh, means Viking Meadow in the Old Norse language, and it is very much. It's very specifically. It's a Danish blood that runs through, that runs through the people of Wicklow. Like it very much is a Viking town. Like very much like Dublin. Dublin obviously is is the ultimate Viking town. Sure, you can't move in Dublin without passing the bloody Viking splash tour. And while that is very much touristy, uh, it's very true. And like they did, like there's an image of Vikings, of course, of these bearded barbarians with their axes coming over and raiding and pillaging, but. They gave Ireland so much of its early civilization. They were the first people to mint coins. They built so much of our towns and cities. This is when it was. That was when Ireland became towns and cities. Was when the Vikings civilized it. And amazingly, like I found out that it was actually a, like a Viking that built Christchurch originally. It was a silken something of silk silver beard or something i have to find that out i apologize for any viking experts who i may have uh insulted there but i want to find out his name sigtrig silkbeard that's it found it thank god um he was a christian he he i don't know if he converted to but he was a christian viking and built that first cathedral that still stands today would have built it probably by, out of wood there and ultimately it built up but like even those familiar with like who live in Dublin or just know Dublin, I guess most people who listen to the podcast will be. I know there are a good few who listen to it outside of the country, uh, but if you haven't been to Dublin, come. It's a great city. 
But the River Liffey used to be so much higher. So where Dublin Castle is now, which is a good bit away, like there's Temple Bar stands between the River Liffey and Dublin Castle. And all of that would have been underwater. And Dublin Castle and where Christchurch Cathedral is now at Wood Quay, that was where the Vikings first settled. And it became this incredibly valuable port town. But why am I telling you this? Why am I giving you this vague history lesson? I'd love to talk more and more about this audio series I'm listening to, but I couldn't possibly talk about it cleverly enough. And I want to get through it all and then learn a bit more because I've I've learned, I would have always thought of myself as someone who would know quite a bit uh, quite a bit about certain periods of Irish history and always would have had a huge interest in Irish history. But hearing certain elements that I had no idea at all about and then certain things that I knew a bit about but now I know a bit more and have gone on to further reading even since starting to listen to has been incredible. Uh, and I highly recommend it for anyone with an interest in Irish history. Look it up. It's called A Short History of Ireland in 240 episodes. You can get it on Audible. It's got incredible readers uh, two of the readers on it are Frances Tomalty, who is, um, she's a Northern Irish actress. Um, she played the widow in the Field film, if anyone's seen that. Real, real classic, um, real classically trained and well-regarded uh, Northern Irish actress. And also Richard Dormer, which any Game of Thrones fans will know as Beric Dondarrion. And if you've watched that show or if you've ever seen him in anything else, you know he has one of the most delicious voices to listen to. And he features heavily in that and he's brilliant in it. But again, this is why I'm saying this now in a roundabout way is that we have a long way to go before we reach the end of Irish mythology. and But I definitely think that after we finish Irish mythology, that Norse will definitely be the next port I go to. Because there's always the choice. I always wanted to expand this podcast eventually to other two other mythologies. I never wanted this. Even though this is the Irish storytelling podcast, I would consider any any stories that I tell on it um, would always be my Irish version of them, as it was with the American Irish folktales that we've been doing as well. But so the question always was: Is like, what, what do we, where do we go after Ireland? Do we go to like German folklore? Do we go to Greek mythology? Do we go to Norse mythology? There's so many places you can go, but I really feel that Norse is the way to go after that. It's too steeped. It's too steeped in Ireland. It's too much a part of who we are as well, and listening to the history of the Vikings in Ireland and seeing how not black and white it was in terms of it wasn't just that they came, they stayed and they went. It's like there was a struggle and a lot of them did stay and we are still them in a lot of ways. Um, And I think that's awesome and definitely makes sense that the Norse would be the way to go after that. But that is a long way away, I'm sure. We've got plenty, plenty more paddy, paddy mythology (laughs) to get through before that. Um, I'm trying to think is there anything else before I wrap this up for another episode Um, Oshin yes sorry we're introduced to Oshin here and Oshin will become will become more and more of a character as we go on in fact Oshin is the Fenian cycle basically all of it is from his point of view he is he is the Homer of it you know if if Homer was the Odyssey, then Oshin is the Fenian cycle. In fact, there are some sources that like don't know it as the Fenian cycle, but like the 
Oshinad, basically like the tale of Oshin, uh, because it's him chronicling the life of his father and his own life as well. Um, Oshin will have his most significant role in, again, one of the most famous stories in Irish mythology of all time, one that most people around the world will know, at least by name, and that is Tirnanoke. The story of Tirnanoke is is Ushin's big tale. And yes, that is in the Fenian cycle. So we are not far off Tirnanog people, which is very exciting. Uh pressure as well. I mean, the big tales are brilliant to do, but there's there's always the pressure about them when people do know them. So I'm talking about obviously the big one was Children of Lear, and then we had the Salmon of Knowledge a couple of weeks ago. But Tirnanog should be brilliant. I can't wait to revisit. Because Tirnanog, again, places itself very firmly in history as well, due to a very important character in that. But we'll chat about all that once we actually dive into it. But I will wrap up this tale for now. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the story. Um, if you would like to get in touch, as always, at Ola Han Solo on Instagram, or you can support the podcast on Patreon. We want to take this podcast live. We want to present a live story evening of storytelling. We want to have guests. We want to have other readers, other stories. I think I have great ideas for it, but we need your support, and we would like you to come along. So if you want, you can support the page on Patreon, Fireside Podcast. Look it up right there. Um, thank you, as always, to the folks at Head Stuff for supporting this podcast to Jamie my producer to all of you for listening Um, and I will see you you will hear me next time on Fireside the Irish Storytelling Podcast goodbye this podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network